Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Don't think that there's some one soulmate. It's not like there's one. Although Bon Jovi is my soulmate. <laughs> there's always exceptions. Are you saying that gossiping is the same as if I'm picking lice out of your scalp and eating it? Well, you've done both. So what do you think? I don't want to give her too much. I don't like her to come in with an inflated head. So we won't mention the Golden Globe. After all we've been through, we deserve an orgasm, sis. We deserve... I know. (laughs) Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth, and this season I'm digging into everything I can get my hands on, peeling back the layers and getting dirty, like an archaeologist of life. On today's episode, we'll be talking about empty nest syndrome. Guys, it's a real thing, and I'm going through it right now. It's when you watch your children spread their wings and leave the nest. But first, before we go there, I want to hear what's on your mind. And here's a question from one of our listeners. Okay, JB writes, I'd like to talk about reevaluating the breakdown of housework and other responsibilities. When my husband went to business school, I took on all housework while doing my job so he could focus on study. Now, however, he's employed, thank God, but I'm still doing my job and all the housework. I'm not sure how to address these changes. Help! Exclamation point. Okay, JB, you need to sit down with your husband and a pen and paper and divvy up the chores. You can't have both people working and only one person doing all the housework. Doesn't work that way. Equal, equal, equal. So for instance, my husband, he was a dishwasher after school, all of high school, and he hates dishes. 
that's fine. So I do the dishes. He does the marketing. We split the cooking. We divvy up the chores. 50-50. That is my advice to you. See how it goes. And I hope that helps. So this episode is about feeling like you just might die because your kid has flown the coop. I am digging into the empty nest syndrome. My eldest daughter, Elliot, recently went away to college and it was not an easy car ride back. It was incredibly painful, but I have to say, right before she went, she got COVID. Literally, as we're packing the car, packing boxes, she gets COVID. So the two of us literally sat there for 10 days going, well, what if we really miss each other? We can't stand it. What if I came to visit you? What if I want to come home? What if I cry all the time? What if I'm sad? What if I don't make friends? What if, what if, what if? And we got through every scenario. And so by the time I took her to college, we had kind of had our own weird culty therapy group together to kind of confront all these things. And now she's thriving at college. And I realized that during that 10 days, I was able to process all my anxiety about her leaving. And she got to too. So the two of us, we actually felt better. Do we FaceTime a lot? Yes, we do. And every day it's gotten easier. But it makes me sort of fascinated by the idea of the empty nest syndrome because I think everybody has a strong reaction to it. And which brings me to my two guests today, Lori Gelman, my friend and author and TV personality. You may have seen her on shows like Live with Kelly and Ryan and Good Morning America and The Early Show. She's also written a series of books about classroom parenting called Class Mom and her latest yoga pants. But for today's purposes, she's here as my friend who has lived to tell her tale of empty nest syndrome. And Dr. Guy Winch, thank God, a licensed psychologist who's going to lead us through it, speaker and podcast host. His science-based self-help books have been translated into 28 languages, and his three TED Talks have been viewed, listen to this, over 25 million times. He writes Dear Guy for TED.com, the squeaky wheel blog for Psychology Today, and is a co-host with Lori Gottlieb of the Dear Therapist podcast from iHeartRadio. So Guy and Lori, thank you and welcome to Go Ask Allie. Thanks. So nice to be here. Thank you for having us. So this is something new that I want to do. And we're basically going to have a therapy session, except Lori, we don't have to pay Guy. This is actually free. Oh my gosh. I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd known that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to first go to Lori and say, Lori, I know that you've had a rough time with being a empty nester. You and I both have daughters at college. We each have one more left at home, but they are spreading their wings. But tell us about what you went through when your eldest daughter went away to college, because it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. Well, it started with a lot of denial. I was certainly happy in my blissful denial the summer before she went away. You know, senior year is full of so much great stuff and it's exciting for them and you just get swept along for the ride. And then And then all of a sudden summer comes and you want them to have the best summer of your life. So all through this, I was like, la, 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 our family's perfect. We're all going to have a great time. Nothing's going to change. And then slowly, as you start shipping the boxes out and then you take the trip out to drop them at school, I mean, even all of that, you're still feeling useful. You're still feeling relevant. And then when they say, okay, parents, time to say goodbye. I mean, that's the moment it hits you as hard as it can possibly hit. At anything. It was, it was so, oh gosh, I'm getting teared up just thinking about it. It was so emotional. I know you're making me cry too. You're making me cry too. 
watching my daughters say goodbye to each other, watching my husband say goodbye to my daughter. And then when I had to finally, you know, uh, and she's crying and I'm crying and it's just, it it was, gosh, I didn't think I'd ever get over it. And it's interesting, Guy, because there are, of course, many different reactions to, you know, when our children leave the nest. I've spoken to some women who are like, oh my God, thank God. I feel so, so great. I'm so independent. I can do whatever I want. You know, they're varying degrees. Me and Lori, of course, cried in our pillow for, you know, weeks, but we're on the other end. <laughs> yeah. And, but I wonder, it, it is such a, it's a great thing. It's a happy thing. We've all been working towards this, you know, going and having their own independent lives. Why are we so devastated by it? So here's why there's actually a really good reason. And, and that is that parenting is the most demanding job anyone will ever have in their life because it's as 24-7 as 24-7 can be. It's the responsibility, it's the involvement, it's the engagement. And if you think about how much being a parent is a part of your identity, is a part of not just what you do, but who you are. When you first had these daughters who went to college, um, then for the first few months, every single aspect of your life was dedicated towards taking care of them. That's it. Your identity was mother. And so after 18 years of that, or however long it is when someone leaves, that is a huge part of your sense of self, of your identity that you lose on the inside. So empty nest refers to on the inside, that idea of the loss of definition. And Laurie, you said it really well, like, oh, at the beginning, there were boxes. I felt useful. There was something I could do, i.e. I could still feel like a parent and feel the gratification of that and the responsibility of that, the purpose of that, the identity of that. And then that goes away. Yeah. And that void, in addition to just missing the person, in addition to any other actual changes it creates in your house and in your life, that void of self-definition, is what a lot of people really struggle with. It's about, well, who am I now? What is it about now? Are the reasons that we had such a hard time saying goodbye and separating because, you know, we are what they call helicopter moms? Did we get too close? Did we insert ourselves so much into the relationship with our daughters that now it's so hard for us? There is an adjustment period that everyone in the home and outside of it is entitled to have when there's a massive change, when the people you live with come and go. That's a change. There's a transition to be uh, adjusted to. The question is, how long were you devastated? How much did this sideline you in other ways? If there was, as you would see in a physical wound, a process of recovery, of getting better that you can tell because less upset every day or when you have the bad moments there fewer and far between, there's a trend of improvement, then this is all normative, all is well. If you have trouble moving past it, if it's already been a month and you're not in a better place and you're still really, really struggling, then there is something to look at. Now, that is not necessarily whether the parenting was helicopter parenting or or what kind of parenting it was. That is, as I said earlier, a void was left. Have you filled it? Have you tried to? Have you been aware that you need to? There's a big part of your day. Because the thing about college, just to say, it's not the going to college. You were involved in the whole process of getting into college. And I don't just mean all the schooling, but for the last year and a half before they went away, 
there were schools to be visited and essays to be written, and it was a huge occupation and preoccupation. You know, there was a big project. What's replaced it? What is now taking all that attention, all that emotional and mental bandwidth? And if there isn't, then, then that's why the recovery might be taking a while, regardless of what style of parenting you employ. You know, it's funny you say that. And Lori, I'd like to know what's going on in your household. But our younger daughter, who's still at home, was terrified that now the focus would be on her. And she even said to me, you know, now that Elliot, my eldest, is at college, she said, please don't let me now have to fill that void. I can't. Like, I'm busy. Don't. And I said, I am every night. I'm going to ask you how your day was and what's going on. I'm all over you. And she was kind of petrified. Lori, have you found that with Misha? Oh, for sure. I mean, for, I'll never forget that we had dinner, family dinner every night. And Jamie was kind of the star of family dinner. And she told us all about the goings on in her day. So Misha could always take a backseat and just sort of enjoy the, the conversation. So I remember our first family dinner after, you know, when she'd gone back to school, it was her first day of school without Jamie ever. And, uh, you know, she, we sat down and then Michael and I were both like, so how was your day? Tell us everything. And she's like, no, no, this isn't happening. I am not that kid. Do not expect me to be now the star of dinner. Like, it's just not going to be me. But I, I liken it to when we took them to preschool the first time and the separation because I remember my preschool had a, a two-way window, so I could watch her in her room, you know, interacting and stuff like that. And uh, she didn't know I was there. And finally, the teachers had to come in and say, okay, Mrs. Gelman, separation works both ways. Like, you need to leave so you can let her be independent. And I always think of that when they go to college and how often do we call them? And am I texting too much? Am I you know, trying to solve too many problems. Like the second something happens, I'm like, I'm on it. I'll get it. I'll do that for you. That's probably wrong. Yeah, it's not wrong per se. It's that just your eagerness and, you know, and the joy on your face when you said that right now, that's the part that's a little, because you're, you're holding on to that as, oh, you see, I'm still needed, which is fine. You'll always be needed as a parent, but I'm concerned about you, not about your daughter. I'm concerned about what are the replacements for you? To me, the first dinner could be something in which you all sit around a table with whoever's left at home and say like, so let's do a round of how we're all feeling about things and how we're doing. So it's not just let's all look at the remaining child now and everyone turn to you, but it's like, <laughs> no, we're in this together. This happened to our family. Let's all talk about how we're feeling about it. Right. You know, and then the other kids feel a little less like, oh, now we have to babysit our parents. That probably would have been the best way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Guy, in terms of communication with our children, not only Lori and I, but everybody listening to this podcast, what is the right amount of communication when you're trying yourself to separate from a child that has has left the nest for a job, to get married, to join the army, to go to college, whatever that is? You know, I've been trying to answer every other call. I've been trying because it's painful for me. But I'm also trying to have her be able to self-soothe, have her be able to figure out her problems. I kind of want her to be uncomfortable in college because that's only helping her in the long run. What are your thoughts on that? I think that every child is a little bit different. Every relationship is a little bit different and their circumstances fluctuate tremendously. And so I would have some kind of basic mutual understanding of how often we'll speak with the idea that, but if stuff comes up in between, 
by all means, let's talk as needed. Um, and so, for example, you know, most pe- parents will do like, okay, let's do a once a week on a Sunday where hopefully you're not partying or hungover or something. Are you talking about the parents or the kids? <laughs> I'm talking, well, that's a, you know, that's my point about replacement, right? That, you know, hopefully you are out partying. But really what I mean is that it should be an ongoing discussion that you can talk about. In other words, you each have different priorities. You want her to be more independent, create a community where she is that she can rely on as well, etc. But you also want to be involved. You want to be supportive if she needs it, if her community isn't available, if there's something going on. So keeping the channel of communication open is very, very important. But you can check in at any time and say, hey, I noticed this week we spoke a bunch of times. Is that okay for you? Is it okay for you if I check in with you in a couple of days because you seem a little out of sorts? Would that be okay? Or do you want me to wait for you to call me? Have an open dialogue about what would be best, you know, in that way. But if she's calling you, you know, like what for? Is it just to like to chat because she's lonely or is she having issues? Is she is she having a hard time with the adjustment? Is she confused about classes? Are there actual specific things she wants to problem solve? It depends on what those calls are about. Well, they're usually, what are you guys having for dinner? <laughs> those are I miss you calls. Yes. Yes. There's nothing wrong with those. I want to switch it now to, we're going to get a little heavier. So, Lori, if you want to pour yourself a drink. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more to come after this short break. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com welcome back guy how much of this affects our somewhat conscious feeling of mortality because you know right now i'm sandwiched between children leaving and parents aging i think my deepest fear at this moment is that I'm next. My children are now grown. I am now going to be the aging person and I'm going to die. How much of that do you think affects us? Like I said, whether consciously or not, that it has something to do with mortality. Every milestone in life has something to do with mortality because most of them you know, bring us a step closer to it. I think what a much bigger impact on mortality is when parents die, um, then that's when you're like, well, next in line. Uh, because that's when it really feels like there's no buffer of an older generation above me, so at least they're going to go first. Nope, uh, I'm next. And I think that that might happen. But look, we do need to find ways to deal with concerns, thoughts about our mortality. To me, what those are useful for is to pivot them into questions that we ask ourselves about, let's say I'm next, let's say I have however long, what do I want that to be about? What What would be important for me? What would make that a life even better lived? In other words, to do a little bit of self-questioning and self-examination to get a maybe reoriented direction or not. But, but to ask yourself those questions would always be a best way to deal with the questions of mortality when they come up. If somebody came to you, a mother or father, and said, Guy, my children have left home. It's now me and my significant other. What kind of therapeutic advice can you give us as a couple that has been focused on our children and scaffolding our life. And now here we are alone together in this home and we don't know how to reconnect. So that's a very common thing because especially when the last kid leaves, there's so much busyness to be done that often the parents have sidelined their own relationship or like, we'll have plenty of time for us later. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to deal with us now. Let's just get this kid launched. And so my advice usually to parents is like, this is a reboot for your relationship. It's a reboot for life because once you truly have a lot of time on your hands, a lot of mental space that has been made free, then you do need to fill it and what with. And so like talking to your partner, uh, maybe you need to get to know them in a certain way that you haven't. Maybe you need to start really thinking about how are we socializing now? We love staying home and being with the kids. That's not going to be uh, something that we're doing now. What do we want it to look like? What do we want to you know, experiment with? How do we revitalize our sex life now that nobody can walk in on us when we're having it? How would you revitalize your sex life? I'm just asking for Lori. <laughs> I, I could see Lori needed that information, but, but um, <laughs> I'm joking here. Uh, those things have to start with communication. So you might have different wishes and wants, but I do think that there is a possibility of really feeling rejuvenated rather than feeling old and, okay, now we're next. Like, we have just shed 
a responsibility that as enjoyable, satisfying, meaningful as it was, was a ton of work, was a ton of responsibility, involved a ton of stress and obligation. We should feel lighter. We should feel like we can party if we want to. We can have cocktails now if we want to. We can walk around naked. Can you imagine? Like we can do whatever we want to do. Well, that never stopped me before, but yes. <laughs> Excellent. You know, we you get little tastes of it. Well, Jamie was away and then Misha went away for something for a program for like a month. So Michael and I had a month of sort of empty nests syndrome. And, and I was really worried. Like I wondered at first it was a lot was... Every five seconds, he'd come over and say, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> Just like Misha, not going to happen. I am not going to be the big star at dinner for you. Uh, but ultimately, we ended up really enjoying ourselves. The, 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 the free time is a little bit intoxicating. I want to introduce a concept, which I think is super important for relationships and partnerships. And that is the concept of bids. A bid is when one person, it's a bid to connect. One person says or does something that is in essence has a subtext of an invitation to connect. So two people are sitting and one person will say, oh my goodness, look outside that window how pretty that bird is. Um, the other person pauses what they're doing, looks outside and go, oh yeah, you're right. It's a little moment between them that actually feels good. The other person goes, I'm busy. Can't you see I'm busy? Mm, missed opportunity. Um, your husband made a bid when he comes over and he says, um, what are you doing? That's a bid to connect. Um, and so I'm just, I know there are going to be many and they're going to miss some. And I'm just pointing it out now because most of us miss them. No, only just because he asks me that every five minutes. <laughs> is, is he, I mean, I, I don't need to ignore him. I feel like it's him looking for something to do. So he, you know, comes and sees what I'm doing. It might be, but he's looking for something to do with you. Yeah. Okay. That's why it's a bit, you know, he could have puttered, tinkered, do what a lot of people do when they're looking for something to do. But he, he came to you. That's why I'm saying if, if it's at you, it is a bid. And if you kind of like smile and make a joke out of it, he might bid again because he's, he's feeling the disconnection. He might be feeling lonely. He might be feeling lost or at sorts. And so he's looking to you for that sense of connection. That's great. That's a very nice thing. But I'm just saying be aware of these bids. You're going to see more of them uh, when your kids aren't home and classify them as that. They're, they're bids to connect and it might not be suitable for you in that moment, not, but if you see that, you'll respond to it a little bit nicer. Even if you want to rebuff it, you can do that in a kinder way or say like, you know what I'm reading right now, but let's meet up in half an hour and decide what we want to do for the evening kind of thing. Yeah. I think sometimes in a relationship and the children have left, you also don't want to restructure your life around your significant other too. You know, my husband loves to play golf, but I'm not interested in playing golf. I am not going to move to Arizona so that we can play. I like, I, and I've heard that from other people, both men and women. That's absolutely right. I spoke earlier about the aspect of a sense of identity, about who you are. And who you are is obviously more than a parent, which is what needs to be recaptured. But it's also more than just, you know, a wife or a partner, which also needs to be recaptured. There's the individual part of you. Leading questions I would always suggest to people to ask themselves is, what did I used to do before I had kids that I wasn't able to do once I did or that I would like to revisit? What new things would I like to explore that I haven't been able to explore because I've had these kids? What friendships would I like to deepen or enrich because I haven't had the time to do that? What activities or hobbies or professional angles are there for me that I might want to explore that and now I have the time, the bandwidth to do it? So it, it should cover all aspects of who you are 
as a person in the sense of those things that are meaningful to you, uh, not just the relationship, but it should cover the relationship as well. It all needs to be re-examined in a way. Well, we've all read and heard about, you know, people talk about next chapters. Oprah for years has been talking about that. Do you think that people can raise children and after that create a whole new life for themselves, so to speak, after they become empty nesters? All the time. I don't think that's a difficult thing to do. Just as an example, I think the pandemic um, ended one chapter in all our lives and started another. And once we're truly past it, that will start yet another chapter. So I think chapters open and end all the time. The question is, what do we do with those opportunities? There are opportunities to reboot. There are opportunities to re-examine, to take a a new direction. The question is, do we avail ourselves of those opportunities or do we ignore them? And I'm suggesting that any time of transition should be a time of reassessment to ask those questions. You might come back with all the answers of like, no, I'm good, but at least ask. The hardest thing that I found was when Jamie came home the first time because you're excited, you're expecting it. She comes home and she is not the person that left. She has not been asked what time she's coming home in months. So when she comes home, she expects to be treated like the adult she is at college without rules, without regulations, like within within reason. But I found that harder to adjust to. And just when we were getting into our rhythm of three, the fourth comes right back in. And at first it is very joyous, but then all of a sudden the younger one's like fighting again and, and it's it's exhausting. And no one prepared me for that at all. Emptiness is something we need to think about and prepare for way before it happens because there's a lot of mechanisms we want to put in place. There are a lot of conversations we want to have with our family members, including the the kids who will leave and who will then come back, about how different things would be. This idea of they come back from their first vacation and don't tell me what to do is very, very common, but it requires a conversation in terms of like, look, I know you're just used to operating independently. Right now, when you're here, there's a little bit more of a community going on. So we kind of need to know if you're going to be there for dinner or not, because somebody needs to plan the dinner. Uh, we won't tell you what to do per se, but there are certain courtesies we do expect. And there are certain rules that are the rules of the house, regardless of how old you are, there'll be these rules when you're 40 and 50. And then you want to hear from them what their expectations are. And also the younger kid has to be, you know, um, like the, the big sibling left, you know, now suddenly they're being made to feel like the baby of the family again. So that's not fun just on the face of it before any word was said. And so yeah, all these adjustments. Um, and so the first few times somebody comes home adjusting, what does it look like now when the four of us together during a, a holiday? Or what does it look like when both kids leave for school, but everyone comes back for a month? Or whatever it would be, there is always reason to have the conversation, bring it up and say like, hey, this is going to be a little bit new for us. Anyone have thoughts, requests, concerns? Open it up. Even before uh, we are empty nesters, have conversations about what it's going to look like when they leave, what is it going to look like when they come back? And then when they're there, have a conversation. The pre should be more about you and your partner talking about what do we do with our lives then? What do we need to start putting in place now? Because we want to be able to benefit. Maybe I start that class I wanted to take now so that I have it already. I don't have to start looking for things. I already know what some of the things are. Maybe I start exploring things so that I can really feel like, oh, this is the one I want to engage in. Maybe we start you know, like going out a little bit more or reinstituting date night because we want to get into the habit of being able to go out, etc. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. 
The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm late. I'm late. Very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com and we're back. Yeah, I was going to say you touched upon the pandemic for a second. And I think it was very jolting for a lot of families when they had become accustomed to not having their children live with them anymore. And then suddenly they all came back for a year or longer or still. And I think that's been a big adjustment because I think a lot of people that had kind of found their rudder with how their life was and their kids came back, they're now readjusting. Have you found that with a lot of your patients, how the pandemic kind of had a retro thing for everybody that had already gone through empty nesting? Yes, because what happened with the pandemic is not just that the kids were in school, schools were shut down, so they had to come back. But even kids in their middle 20s, late 20s, early 30s, who are living, for example, in a city, in a small, crappy apartment, and their parents had nicer, open, greener spaces, went home for a year or two. There were all these constellations of, of the, the migration home. You know, one, one father said it to me like, well, the ark's ready. <laughs> 
and, and said that in early March last year. In other words, he literally was preparing the, the home for a lot of people to be coming back to it. But that's kind of what happened. And so, yes, this pandemic has been extremely disruptive in many, many ways, but people have then had to make peace with each other. And sometimes these kids were working. So now there are only so many rooms and so much Wi-Fi for everyone to be doing you know, their calls and whatever. It was a lot of adjustment and a lot of disruption, for sure. And a lot of pain again, now that they're leaving. You know, I know a few people that are really depressed now that their kids have left again, you know, and they've lost that cozy familial thing. And with the just the fear of the world in general, it taints a little bit about how we are as parents. It really does. I think there's no reference for a pandemic. I think for some parents, you know, who just got used to empty nest, got a little bit of it back, then got used to it again, the adjustment will happen more quickly the next time. But for some, it was a little bit dream come true in that ironic sense of there is no other circumstance that one could fathom in which three adult children would come home and it would feel like the family all over again because it's been a few years since that's been the case. Suddenly like, oh my God, we get to have this again. When it, when it works well, and then you lose it again. So yeah, but I would, I would really focus on the gratitude part of it, on the, on the bonus part. Right. Lori, how was it when Jamie was home during COVID and then went back to school? Did you bounce back easier? No, in fact, it was it was harder for me for some reason. When she came home because of COVID, she was angry. She didn't want to be home. And, you know, and we we were thrilled to have her, obviously, but because she was safe and she was in our care during this horrible time. And we went along. I mean, she was home for a year that we did not expect to have. And it was very nice. But then when she went back this fall, for some reason, we were in the car going somewhere and the song um, Defying Gravity came on from Wicked. And I started bawling my eyes out. And she looked at me and she said, what's going on? And I said, I can't, I just, I'm going to miss you so much. Like, it's been so wonderful having you back home. And it was just all coming out of me. And then she went and put on a Justin Bieber song, <laughs> just to make me laugh. She just changed the station and put on Justin Bieber, baby, 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 something like that. Just even in that, she was perfect in her response. You know, she just knew what to do to get me out of my tears. But yeah, it, it ain't for sissies. I'll tell you that. Like, it's a real roller coaster on your heart. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if she could have just looked at you and said, you know what, Mom, I know I'm going to miss you too. I really am going to miss you too. Oh, she did say that. Good, because that's all you need. But she said more, I know you're going to miss me. Because she's going and exploring her life for the first time, and, and she got disrupted. And so for her, she gets to do that exciting thing for the first time. It's very, very different yeah. for her than, than it is for you. But But look, what I would say to you, Laurie, and, and to you, Ali, in the sense of, to me, I tend to think of the, the long-term view. And the long-term view is like, you want to be able to have a relationship with your adult child that is open, that is strong, that is communicative, that you can be in each other's lives, that you can always be there for them, and they can always be there for you. And that new relationship gets formed and gets negotiated in certain ways in this period when they're away for college. Now, kind of, because then they're always back here for a month and back there for a couple. And, you know, maybe right after college, they don't get the job right away and maybe come back for a bit. But it sets out like this is the dynamic of how it's going to be when you're not living at home, how often we'll talk and, and how often we'll be in touch and what we can share with one another. And, and, and I would think of it that way that you're creating this, this future relationship. And so to the extent 
that she was home for a year and things went well. That's such a great sign. I was more upset because I felt like a, a friend was leaving. It was it was so our relationship had changed to the point of we were more contemporaries. Now I'm always going to be her mother, obviously, but it wasn't the baby leaving the nest. It was my friend going to another city, you know, the person that I could commiserate with the younger one about. And she would go and drive and get me Starbucks if I asked her. She was just she was just like a really good pal to have around. And that's what I think I missed the second time. Which is very real because that's the whole goal of that adult stage of life is to form a different kind of relationship with your parents where it is slightly more of a peer, et cetera, et cetera. I would suggest though that if, and, and I understand that because I do think that, again, it's a sign of a good relationship where that's what it felt like for you. But then maybe that means that you need to do some thinking about whether your friend circle is close enough, is immediate enough, is full enough right now. Well, Allie's my only friend, so, yeah. and she's busy all the time. I can't get her coffee. I keep saying, get an assistant, Lori. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> maybe that means, and I don't mean in terms of lacking friends necessarily, that for some people that's going to be the case, but maybe you haven't dedicated enough time to those friendships. Maybe you haven't, you know, like if she's the only one you can talk about, you know, the younger kid about, etc. there must be some friend that you can share that with in a safe way. And, and, and I'm just saying that when you feel the lack of something, when you feel that you're missing something, it's always a hint about what you might need. So those distressing feelings of loss can also point you towards what your needs are or what they might be. Before we go, Guy, you've been so incredibly insightful about this subject. Are there a few things that you still would like to add for all of us out there that are dealing with this empty nest syndrome, as they call it? Do you have any last takeaways for the audience? My main takeaways are think about it ahead of time start planning, communicate with everyone that's involved um, and hear what they feel or what they have to say about it. Understand that it's a process and understand that one thing that we've learned from the pandemic, which applies to this and to many other situations, is that before the thing happens or in the immediate aftermath of the thing, we always feel very bereft. But we are highly adaptable. We get used to new situations rather quickly. And especially if we work with intentionality to fill the voids that we need to fill, to ask ourselves the questions we need to ask, to have the conversations we need to have, then we can get over it even quicker. But we're more resilient than we think. So even if something is very difficult, if you're actively working on, you know, filling those voids on the recovery, on the redefinition of who you are, on, on, on the reassessment of what you want your life to be about, then you will come out on the other side stronger and more quickly than you might expect. Well, that's inspiring. Thank you so much. Lori, I will get you coffee. You only have to ask. <laughs> okay. And now we've arrived to my favorite and yet scary part of the show where I get to utilize my robust experience to answer a question from my guest. So Guy, Lori, what burning questions do you have for me today? So Ali, I also am a host of a podcast, Dear Therapists. Uh, we do a therapy session and we give them advice. You interview experts and other people. When is the last time you felt a little starstruck by someone that you were interviewing or excited because like, oh, wow, I can't wait? Uh, present company excluded? Of course, excluded, yes. I actually, it's, it's never kind of a celebrity. It's not, it's never anybody you would expect. I find sometimes when I'm talking to an expert, 
and their advice or sort of the thing, the way they see the world is so captivating to me. I, I actually can feel it in my body. Like I either get excited or I write down notes afterwards. I remember uh, last season I was talking about the relationship between women and finances, which I don't, I mean, I'm just a horrible person when it comes to money. It felt like I was having a master class. And at the very end, I learned things. I started a legacy book. I start, you know, so I get starstruck by that. I get starstruck by people's brains. Allie, I have a question. Yes. What do you do with your dogs all day? I pamper them and they're with me. I'm sure that when my youngest daughter leaves the nest, I'll get even more dogs. But I walk them, I feed them, I nap with them. They sit with me when I write. There is one as I'm speaking to you right now, I can see on the sofa. So they're stand-ins for my own children. I have the therapy dog now, and I feel like I can't leave the house because he looks so sad if I go out. Well, we'll have to do a podcast with Guy about that because- Who's supporting who? You know, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think we have to have boundaries with our pets. And we can't transfer our helicopter mothering to our animals. But um, no, they're a big part of my life. I'd say for the whole family. So I'm, I'm a big pet lover. Guy, do you have a pet? I love, love dogs. And I spent the first five months of this year with my brother. And not just because, for many reasons, but one of them was that he got a new puppy. And I think they're amazing animals. I think they're such great companions. I think any dog is a therapy dog. And just raising this puppy for five months was just the most amazing experience. And you fall in love so hard. And you could walk away from that? With yeah. amazing difficulty. But I, no, but I can tell you, I said to him, um, at least for the first month, I need at least a one minute video that I wake up to every morning. Otherwise, I'll be very upset. <laughs> And every morning there's this video. And so it's great. And sometimes we do Zoom calls and you know, <laughs> my, my twin brother, he's right in the frame. And I'm like, could you, could you move a bit? I can't <laughs> see you. I don't need to see you that big. I need to see the dogs behind you. That's really <laughs> sweet. Thank you for your time. This is a great podcast. It's really going to help a lot of people. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks so much. And thank you for having me, Ali. It's been really a pleasure. I actually feel a lot better after that podcast because my heart's been aching a little bit for, for my kid. I'm trying to be stronger and look at the empty nest syndrome as something that can be positive and next chapter. But if I can just tell my listeners this and don't tell Guy, uh, I'm actually going to go see her two weekends from now. So shh, my bad. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Allie. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast and follow me on social media on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I would love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalliepodcast at gmail.com. If you leave me a message, you may hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. 
What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.